and welcome to episode 18 of What's the Chakkar. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakkar. Thechakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity, where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports and more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode, I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music, literature and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today with Saurabh Sharma, Atulya Pathak, Adi Manral and Pratik Santram. We will review books by Josie Joseph and Akweki Amezi, discuss the Sony Live series Rocket Boys and listen to new music by the metal band Bloody Wood. So strap in and let's go around the chakkar. Uh, I'd like to welcome back Saurabh Sharma on the What's a Chakkar podcast. Saurabh, how are you doing? Thank you, Parantur. Yeah, so thanks for coming back on. You know, it's always fun to chat to you about books. We all, like I already know about you know that you are such a you know avid reader from all the reviews you write for us and everybody else. But it's fun to actually hear you talk about books because I feel it's fun to like express stuff in a less less formal way. I guess you know that that's what I would like to say. Where you can actually riff about the stuff you like. Uh, have you been reading anything particularly fun? Not for work this month. not for work so i uh, began reading this book not for work actually mm. uh, dear sir but it just happened that uh, this book was uh, uh, this book turned out to be a finalist for lambda award literary awards right in the non fiction category mm. so all the more i was very excited and you know started i mean marking sentences <laughs> because then again the reviewer comes back mm. and, and you have to read it pay attention particularly to what the book is really doing and because i was going through something very personal for the past 2 months so this book actually provided me lots so so we'll get to that i i i just wanted to give a little teaser about what you will speak about yeah. i i i want to start with the book i read because um, it's a it's a book by an indian author it's about indian issues uh and it's definitely a book that not only you but almost any serious book journalist book reviewer literary journalist of any sort in india has to pay attention to is josie josephs the silent coup a history of india's deep state which i feel is one of the most important books written by an indian in recent times and also one of the most infuriating books written by an indian not because of the authors it's because of the subject matter it's so infuriating it's it's stuff that that we as indians already suspect we as indians already um are somewhat aware of but it's rare for a journalist and a writer like like joseph to just come out and actually show the receipts show the proof actually say that ye ho raha hai you know i can actually verify that these things are real you know because a lot of the stuff about you know what he calls india's deep state or india's military and india's people in uniform of india going rogue is stuff that i feel we suspect anyways we already know we 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 are well aware as any country would that there are things that our um, our authorities do that are not morally great but as citizens of almost any country we almost are we have the privilege to turn a by if if we are privileged enough we can turn a blind eye to it we, I, honestly I, I, no one can read this book and and turn that blind eye anymore you know it's 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 such a powerful piece of work This is the second book by Joseph I've read in the last few years. I read A Feast of Vultures a few years ago. 
which is yet another infuriating but excellent piece of uh, creative journalism i would say so uh, i don't want to give too much up about this book because honestly i feel there's i don't want to take any credit away from the author he's done everything i don't want to steal any of his thunder that you would get from actually reading it but just as a short uh, this is a brief sort of summary what joseph is kind of obsessed with telling us really is about all the stuff that happens in india that our security forces and the security forces umbrella has many different types of people that come under it the army comes under it the delhi police comes under it afspa comes under it there's, there's so many things all over this country that come under that sort of broad umbrella of, of uh, security forces he himself writes in the prologue i'll just read from it this is a book about the gravest threat to the indian state it is ulti- ultimately an incomplete documentation of the vicious attack on the world's largest democracy by those who are duty bound to protect it and i think that's pretty much summarizes everything you know we are as indians i feel we have this habit of glorifying men in uniform and uh, which is fine i think men in uniform do deserve a lot of glory but it's almost to a point where you can't question anything you can question almost any other tax paying uh, bracket of indian you know of of the indian public sector but for some reason to question the mistake by somebody in uniform is all of a sudden you're getting branded like you know an anti-national so this is a really brave book in that sense where he actually questions it and I'm, i was just like there's so many moments reading this is like okay he's going to be in trouble about this he's going to be in trouble about this <laughs> you know uh, so uh, what he does is something very interesting and this is why um, i feel this book sort of stands heads and shoulders over you know any long form article about this issue would is that he he makes a narrative about real human beings real people the first part of the book is about uh, wahid uh, a person who lives in the slum areas in mumbai and it's about the last 20 years of basically nightmare that wahid has lived through just being a, a muslim person in india just how he uh, the police just considered him um, at any given time anything that happened 911 ke baad let's go to wahid bomb blast hua let's go to wahid 2611 let's go to wahid like he he became the perfect person just to take to jail thrash around a little bit and the and the thrashing around stuff becomes so casual and so uh, we get so desensitized to the the police torture that this this poor guy goes through and and you know stuff like that like so 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 the, the first half is really showing through wahid's perspective of how much of how the security apparatus can mess up one individual's life and he's just one among thousands tens of thousands i don't know that, that suffer through this the second half of the of the book then sort of takes zooms out and then it it takes us to the larger picture of uh, different parts of pockets of india where the security apparatus is sort of failing us you know so of course we go to kashmir where basically the security apparatus has been has been failing us and like we are almost at war with ourselves in kashmir you know and it it it's kind of hard to um, there's nothing i could say now that would even sum- begin to summarize it because it's so complicated he uh, he he goes to the northeast uh it t- talks about afspa we we talk about that very famous uh indian airlines hijack uh i'm forgetting the the actual like flight name flight number but basically the aftermath of the hijack and and the, the amount of innocent people who were sort of victimized from it and also how in many of these cases it's our security apparatus themselves who are responsible or who are silencing the truth out you know and the, his, his penultimate chapter is called gujarat model which just says everything you need to know about india as it stands today where uh, the gujarat model is considered to be a model of progress and 
when I mean progress, I think it's marketed as infrastructural progress. Like almost anyone I meet who's from Gujarat tells me about how good the roads are in Gujarat. And I can only shrug at it. I'm like, okay, I mean, okay. <laughs> That's, if, if, if you're judging a country's merits by how good the roads are. But, but, but what he means by Gujarat model is the Gujarat model of silencing um, any threat to authority. Uh, and, and obviously, he uses the example of the very famous Amit Shah murder case and then zooms out to say that now this model is becoming more and more common all around the country. So all in all, excellent journalism and made me very mad at the country that I love. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I, I think this is, this is what a lot, of, a lot of us are going through right now. Saurabh, you have, of course, also read this book and you have also reviewed it. I did not prepare you, but I would love to hear your thoughts about reviewer's perspective of what you were reading into this book when you were reading it. I actually say this in my review as well that, you know, this book really questions you what sort of an idea of India that you carry in your thoughts. That's essentially that what the book is about because um, love at a particular point also becomes suffocating and that you don't realize that whether it's actually love because anything cannot be beyond question in a democracy. Yeah. That's the whole idea of a democracy. Then uh, the this uh, valorization, the celebration of this unquestionable model then is, is deeply rooted in how we raise children and how we sustain this family system. Yeah. It's all connected. I, I remember, I, I think it was a short read by Frederick Engels, uh, Engels who actually talked about this thing, that uh, the origin of state, family, I'm sorry, mm. I'm forgetting the exact title, but that was a thing. And that's, that's actually how the state draws uh, power. And this is where it draws power from because you're trained in a setup where you are told not to question the authority. And that all becomes very natural to follow whatever they are saying. And there they, they comes a time when there are strict rules and boundaries and restrictions that they go on setting up without being questioned at all by anyone uh, in the hierarchical structure. And uh, they can do just about anything. And that's what is happening. And when you talk about the roads and actually fantastic roads to die for, literally. Right, Literally. and that's what happened. <laughs> Literally, and that's what happened, didn't it? Because I would also say when you said about this point about desensitization, I actually wasn't shocked reading this book because I've already read most of Josie Joseph's work and like literally following him, uh, whatever I mean he writes. I didn't think uh, I I was really surprised, but I was mesmerized by the writing. I mean. I don't think anybody writes like this. There is there is a creative freedom that he takes and it is not data. I mean, data says there is certain sense of, you know, fetishization and masculinity data that, you know, uh, we tend to ignore, but that's very, 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 uh, you know, uh, um, I mean, it, 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 it actually uh, negates everything about the data. The data was about a context. It was about a story. And when you force fit a data, it actually negates the whole story. He's more concerned about the story. So I was very drawn to that. And of, of course, it was starkly different from his first book, A Feast of Vultures. It was again brilliant work. I also seen that. Uh, I also feel that this was more careful account. This was. Uh, I mean, he exercised caution a lot in this book as well. 
which I'm sure like, you know, any author could agree to because there are certain forces <laughs> that make you do it. Yeah, uh, and you made a good point about just his uh, writing style and his choices because um, I, I feel that if there's any young Indian investigative journalist and the, the numbers are dwindling now because investigative journalism is not a rewarding thing in India. It's, I mean, it never was, but it's, it's, it's as dangerous as it could have ever been. But if there is any young investigative journalist and someone who's passionate about it, uh, this is what they need to see. They need to see. You have to tell a story. You you can't just give out numbers. The numbers are are making an important point in you know your references in your bibliography, um, in your further reading. But if you really want to have an impact, you, you tell the stories of true humanity because the, at the end of the day, that's what we take away with with us, right? As readers, I I like to sort of draw a thread between the books we read. Between you know, uh, between the books I read and between the books that my guests would read, I'm struggling to draw one. So can you? Is there anything you can find uh, between Josie Joseph's nonfiction uh, book about India's failing infrastructure, India's failing like emotional infrastructure as well, uh, to to what you have read, or are we just now going to make a very sudden shift to something completely different? It is both actually. It is absolutely a sudden shift. The second thing is uh, where they they really uh, complement each other is that these both are very unique in their storytelling. So I think that's the common thread that we can actually convey to our readers, listeners about this book. So first, I'll just read out this epigraph. Can you reintroduce the this. book again? The book and the author. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Dear Centurion, a Black Spirit Memoir by AQKMZ. This is the book that was a fi- that's finalist for Lambda Literary Awards 2022 in the LGBT nonfiction category. I, I, I as I said, uh, that I'd be really struggling to talk about this book, not because I'm really not sure of what to convey best. And I'm also not sure whether whatever I will say would be accepted in a manner that would actually convince you to read this book because what if i say to you that this book has not been written by a human person right what if i say that this book is written by an ogbanje which means an igbo spirit that that chooses a human body to live in what what sense can you make of it Right, so it completely depends on a reader's uh, capacity to surrender to the uh, to the story, and begin reading this book. It's told in letters. These are the letters that are written. So how the titles are structured is like there is one word that is specifying what this letter is about, and it's directed to dear Dash. So dear Catherine, dear Eugene, dear Cynthia, dear Nonso, and so on. Uh, so first, this book begins with uh, this writer telling us that you know they have in love with the magician it can be literal it can be a metaphorical way but i see i sense that there's also a sarcasm in it there's also a love in it there's also eulogy in it and part reverence which all makes it seem that you know uh these letters are going to be really personal like really personal and they they do not want to hide anything from you and you get that you get an unhibited spirit uh, an untamable spirit and a person who is not really caring that whatever you want to make out of what they are writing, you can you can actually carry anything, any idea about them in your hearts. Because they also talk about writers and money too, and unabashedly, they mention that you know they they were struggling to uh, 
get this advance of a particular thousand dollars and now they're getting surprising unimaginable amount of money and they 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 buy a house and they get it done the way they want it and they didn't put any shame for that right uh, they didn't care if you want to shame them for it because uh, as a person who began their journey with limited means they didn't want to be clubbed in the category that you know new money and 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 they do not even care if you want to really think of them as uh, this person who is only after money because actually even if a writer's job we're doing words we're doing language but they're also selling that so they they they're not giving it uh, i mean they're not giving any fuck about selling their work the way they want to whom they want and what price they want them but this work for so in the epigraph they write to my beloved spirit bay the prophet and seer my favorite world to those who of us still with one foot on the other side that's that's the thing that that made an impact on me and why i started picking up this uh, reading this book i picked this book up because i was going through a lot of struggling with a few things uh, for these past 2 months and not really finding a way to express who i am what do i do with my body and what is what it does to me this whole book is also about these questions these inquiries it's a collection of stories of resilience rage envy a mutilation brutality compassion and also about abandon they want to abandon their human father and human mother they they do feel that you know all these people come when you have a attained certain amount of fame or acceptance from the outer world i mean just imagine a writer sitting at the launch of the book and feeling that this is not it this is not what i wanted to do or i do not belong here or questioning their ability or they're trying to take their own life and there's nobody in this world they can tell this anybody so these are this is this is why these stories are were very different uh and they write about the of banje equo spirit that it's born to a human mother a kind of a trickster that dies unexpectedly only to return in the next child and do it all over again uh, so equo culture also has a cycle of reincarnation that uh, many of us in hinduism believe in but equo uh, kmc say that abanje is really a spirit but it needs to have a human body in in the process of writing i i feel that uh, they must have felt uh, that they have really taken a control on themselves because uh, being as a person of color and a person who doesn't really belong if you go to spaces where you try to learn a craft and you're ignored by your colleagues when your stories are not really understood by these people and they're given and uh, they assess through a white gaze i'll actually call it uninformed gaze through and through because these are not only stories about race and they're not actually they they, they do not even care about uh, that thing uh, these are these are really stories about bodies you know there's in in stories like these which are um, obviously challenging gender norms and of course there's the the complexities of race even though you mentioned that they don't really directly mention it so much i i feel that uh, the these stories of fantasy or stories of mythology or stories of spirits sometimes they, they can tell the truth 
way clearer than than a factual truth you know uh, we were talking about data and stats when we were talking about the josie joseph book right it's it's similar in the sense that like you can give all the hard cold data about what the truth is but sometimes to actually express it to somebody clearly you have to tell a story and you have to tell a story that might not even feel human it might not even feel it might not even feel the, the you know it might not even make sense as you said but 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 actually it makes a lot of sense because because it is telling at the end of the day nothing makes more sense than a person's truth right uh, so in that yeah uh, in that case it, uh, i i feel that this does share a lot and and thank you for sharing how much this how much this story has meant to you how much, how much i think th- th- this is not just one story these are three stories right three novels in uh, in, in in this book isn't it about three novels in one or or is it just no, no, one it's a it's a book in letters okay the book it's a book in letters you can't really say that it's a memoir mm-hmm. uh it's it's letters for others but but it's a lot of things so i i think it was fitting for lambda uh i mean this uh organization to not categorize their book mm. in the memoir uh category and they chose to do it in the non fiction lgbt non fiction category and of course also because uh when we add this plus sign towards the end that means that there are certain uh people who have not chosen to label and you know create a label for them and they can clearly fit in that particular section of awards so i think that was a very fitting well i guess we'll find out soon if if it wins or not before that uh i just want to thank you again sora for joining us i read thank you so much i read josie joseph's the silent coup a history of india's deep state and sora you uh, read dear centro on a black spirit memoir by Akweki Emezi I hope I pronounced that right <laughs> uh yeah you, even I was wondering <laughs> thank you so much Saurabh and uh, have a good rest of the day so Atulya Pathak joins us for the very first time on the What's a Chakra podcast from Bangalore Atulya how are you doing I'm very well very excited to be here Atulya you have uh, written a lot of really great stories for us and on you know just a myriad of different genres you know and you wrote about uh, the sony live series rocket boys last month mm-hmm. and we featured it it was it was i don't know if you saw but it was our featured uh, piece on our um, on our newsletter as well the show was released in february this year and very briefly i think it's a story of two great indian scientists uh, work colleagues friends dr homi j baba and dr vikram sarabhai starring mm-hmm. jim sarb and ishwak singh respectively as the two leads and the story is kind of about you know how these two men laid the foundation of india's you know great scientific institutions our space program and nuclear program and so much more it's and all in the 50s and 60s ab japan ki wajah se hame rubber nahi mil raha phir hum kya kare raman why don't you try using another material polyethylene sheets ki tensile strength rubber se zyada hai what was your major again natural science but i have a particular interest in physics विक्रम साराभाई तुम एक ब्रिलियंट साइंटिस्ट हो और जो तुम अपने देश के लिए कर सकते हो उस लाखों की भीड़ में और कोई नहीं कर सकता सो हियर इज द बिग थिंग बियॉन्ड योर एसे अबाउट दिस आई नो ऑलमोस्ट नथिंग अबाउट दिस शो आई वॉन्टेड टू बेसिकली स्टार्ट फ्रॉम अ प्लेस ऑफ कंप्लीट इग्नोरेंस एंड एम टी वेसल एंड नाउ यू हैव टू कन्विंस मी why this show is important and why why not just me why why more people should invest in you know invest their time in watching rocket boys so you have the floor uh, before i ask you some more questions uh, anything else you want to add to this introduction i've uh, already laid out 
no no i think i think we're good here so um first of all thank you so much for a very kind introduction it's very sweet uh, i'll just jump in so i'm i'm somebody who's into history right and that very rare subset of people who enjoy reading historical fiction and stuff but historical sciences god no that that's a category that sounds abysmal who wants to read about who made this and why and the historical processes of all of it sounds very taxing and dry and then one day in february i'm just sitting at my house in bangalore and i'm thinking what to watch i have this really big empty shaped hole in my heart i want to fill it up on a saturday or a friday and my partner's like hey listen there's this story it's on sony live and i'm i only know sony live because they did the scam thing right the scam thing came out on sony live otherwise who opens sony live unless to watch like a match or something and i see the trailer and i'm like okay i like jim serb yeah. i like history but i'm very skeptical i feel like it's going to be an ultra hyper nationalistic full on sacrosanct biopic mm-hmm. version of a show i'm very skeptical but i watched the first episode and uh, it's something else entirely the show is i i i think it's one of the greatest shows that indian cinema has produced at least in the recent history it's so beautifully done and there are just such beautiful nuances to the show so you are right it is about two great people who did like a bunch of things for our nation and sure that's a very big part of it but there are such different narratives that play out so i'll pick one up now if you want to speak to any person of our age bracket i'm assuming we're the same age bracket and you ask them what do you want to do in life the probable response is hey i want to do an mba and stuff right like eventually get there and you ask them okay when why would you like to do an mba promise it was left to you and it'll be the abc's ahmedabad bangalore calcutta right what people don't know is our person vikram sarabhai is the founder of i am uh, ahmedabad and that itself is so beautifully done so he uh, and this is covered in the show very briefly he met his wife rnalini who was a dancer while in bangalore he married her out of caste out of region and later into the marriage he fell in love with her friend kamala choudhury and they they were having an extra marital affair it's it's all recorded by the way the show covers this and miss choudhury had to leave uh, amdabad at that point of time she had not no business left to do and just to make her stay this man started the biggest management institute in the country now mm-hmm. it's so amazing <laughs> and if you talk to these people from i am amdabad now there are spots within the campus where these lovers would go and the <laughs> library in particular is very famous for it and i like that this show took out the time to hint at it not just you know making these two great men seem like great men they were really messy people like most people in that age bracket are <laughs> so so just to so take I, a tangent on the iim part i mm-hmm. i i wonder if in the iim founding history The, the the students are told they're welcome to institute this exists because of an extramarital affair you know <laughs> i hope they do i'm not sure but i genuinely hope they do. this is this is here because somebody decided to cheat on somebody somebody decided to cheat on somebody and the crazy part is uh, uh, mrilanini sarabhai in her yeah. own standing like like a, an entire series or at least a documentary could be made about her alone like she's sort of a legend in her own field right Uh, so, yeah, yeah. so, so these are 
the names you have mentioned already and and they are more big names are coming these are some of the most important names already in contemporary indian history um yeah. so 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 I, i find the very interesting i, I want to touch on something else which you you started very early in your essay and today talking about it about how rocket boys resist the temptation of uh, hypernationalism you yeah. know which a lot of recent films and series that you know um they show indian heroes and heroines almost from only a heroic prism like this is all they are they are just perfect you know they they, they are not messy there's nothing wrong about them um now of course you say rocket boys doesn't do this so beyond uh, this one extramarital affair part uh, how else would you say that this rocket boys achieves this uh, sort of resi- the resisting the hypernationalism and um, how do you feel this particular decision works in the show's benefit okay so it's not like a big theme but it does show up uh, when jim sarb's father passes away and of course it's a very toxic father son relationship it's shown there that there's a tank- yep. yeah this is, no no uh, this is homi baba homi baba sorry, and his yeah. father father's relationship is a very uh, unsaid love hate 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 love 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 hard love that sort of relationship and there's respect there but there's no open bounds of uh, affection keeping up with the timeline of course so when when his father passes away rather suddenly they show this aspect of omi baba's life where he's indulging in alcoholism and he's using it to grieve and i think that's very refreshing treating this scientist like a human being he doesn't work for a span of one one and a half years and this is right after he's received the funding to his own institute the tifr and the tifr tifr continues to be a very important institute for research even in india today but i genuinely like that they took out the time to show this person as somebody struggling yeah. and really that those those one that that one particular episode is it's the crucible for building baba's character and his aspirations of what he wants to do for the next phase of his life now that his father is passed away prior to this he was doing everything to impress his father and that sort of shows a passage um so i found that very nice i mean which other hypernationalistic show does that I, i don't know if you've seen this but old balaji came up with this show called boss on the life of subhash chandra boss and he's again shown in that show as like the super cool person does no wrong slaps a professor gets away with it <laughs> and that's not true the things in life have consequences and baba also suffers the consequences of his alcoholism a little bit and i like that the show could take time to do that Yeah, you know. So uh, of course, for a series like this to be believable, um, you have to get the facts right, and and the facts yeah. could be negative, they could be positive, uh, and when I mean facts, I don't just mean the scientific facts, which of course you know the research has to be done, uh, but I also mean you know visually it has to look like we are in the fifties and sixties. Do you feel that the series achieves that that visual setup that you know that you could more or less were in the, in this mind space in this worldview? I think I think to an extent they do um because they're using the backdrops very well. I don't like that the, the one thing that irked me is that they're using sepia tones to another extent they to create that effect. But otherwise they've gotten a lot of stuff right. They've gotten telephone business right, they've gotten the cars right, the clothing is also okay. It's 
acceptable um, i like that they got the university environment pretty correctly so there is that whole notion of sitting in the library still when you of course don't have google and stuff so it's done pretty decently um of course that is not what they spent a lot of time on i think it could have been developed a little further but i get that okay they had a lot of other things to deal with so one and of the, the other yeah yeah go ahead please i was going to say you know just extending that question you know um, about about getting the facts right or getting the the feel right uh, i think it's it's super important to get the acting right and to get the people right you know the, the, you're representing important figures in indian history as we said so uh, i want to hear about how these two actors fared you know um, we have uh, jim sarb and ishwak singh and this is a pretty challenging task to carry right uh, what was your opinion of of sort of the representation they did i i think i think i'm a little biased towards mr sarb so i will say that he was fantastic <laughs> he did it well they did sexualize baba's character a little bit but i think that's to gather audiences uh, i can assure you he did not jump in a pool and took off his shirt and etc etc uh, but vikram sarabhai's character is is played to the nook he's uh, ishwak singh has done that extremely well the one thing that i was very slightly upset about is raza mehndi's character although uh, bhattacharya plays it very well but the character is it's it's a made up character there is nobody in indian historical sciences called as raza mandi from what i read is that they took up somebody called as megnath saha they vilified him turned him into a, a minority muslim character and then squeezed a lot of scientific personalities in that and they obviously amplified the relationship between uh, the discontented relationship between Uh, baba and saha to make it more dramatical however they played it very well like you you your it i think i i i got played like that because i much i myself found myself rooting for uh, homie's character i wanted him to get that uh, funding i wanted him to win over i wanted apsara to work there is it's beauty in being played like that i think as a viewer you see yourself falling in that trap it's it's something that um if you ever sit in any meeting about you know pitching a show pitching a film anything uh and 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 usually if it's about a biographical life or a true life very very often a true life doesn't have a clear cut villain like that you know or a clear cut like dark character but the show writers would have, have will needle you they be like nay nay we need we need conflict we, we need that one person to be the to to be the person that that is the anti you know um and i feel that that's that's the trap that uh, the show may have befallen itself into you know yeah and i find it very interesting that they, of all uh, the people they could have picked they picked a muslim person to be that villain mm-hmm. and one very critical aspect of the show is that uh, and i i don't know if it's going to sell you to watch it but they they're settling very well within the good muslim bad muslim narrative mm. uh, mr kalam plays the good muslim and then raza plays the bad muslim the potential mm. spy however i think panu resisted it towards the end and he was like no i can't do this let me let me just sort it out let me make him a cute person at the end and he <laughs> does that but works yeah um so so before you started you said that you you kind of resisted the show because even though you're a history buff uh, you, you didn't want to get into the science side of things or you weren't sure um mm-hmm. now that you've seen it do you feel that 
um, for people who might be buffs of Indian history or Indian sciences, uh, do you feel that the show delivers in that sense? Like, is it is it the kind of show that would satisfy someone who's really you know knowledgeable or really studied about these subjects? Absolutely, I think if you like history, Indian history, Indian uh, the the post war period or the Cold War era, you will love it. One of the things that really got me excited, apart from of course uh, Abdul Kalam's cameo, is the fact that it took the time to explore the relationship India had with America at that point of time. Okay. And what people don't know is that it's completely bang opposite of what we share with America right now. We were a very backward nation at the mercy of uh, the developed global West, and we had some. I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, the US would constantly try to stoop down and stamp out any attempts of uh, education in the developing nations. So there is this aid program that they started around the same time period. 61 is when they started this aid program called PL480. Because at that point of time, India couldn't sustain enough uh, food production because Green Revolution had not happened. And they gave us free grain. Huge chunks of free gain we got, uh, grain we got for this program, aid program. And in return, they took our books. So it, this is captured slightly in the, the show because this does no good, does no harm country. The liberator, US is that title holder, right? Mm -hmm. It wants to preserve democracy and freedom. It's been doing pretty shady stuff. And I like that they took out the, mm -hmm. the time to show that how shady this country has been. And we're all pally with this country now, but there's a very dark, twisted history we share with them, definitely, for sure. Well, considering recent events and the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, we're not exactly pally with anybody at this point. It seems like we're sort of... <laughs> you hinted at it a little bit earlier, but where else would you say this... How would you improve the show if you, if you had had the chance? I, I, would, I would do tweaks to the show. For example, I, I would try to create a more uh, acceptable version of a villain. If there must be a villain, why not take it and make it somebody more neutral and not stick to the religion aspect of it because of course these shows have an impact on people right okay. and you're already in a political climate where there is a community being targeted and showed as well i saw kashmir files i wanted to kill somebody after it wait 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 stop stop why did you watch kashmir files because i had to counter people okay i had oh, to God. counter people. yeah so just to counter people i went and i saw it and that's the thing I that man that deserves I none of my money <laughs> no, I went on a date, so I'm okay. I didn't, I didn't pay for it in true non-feministic manner. I hope but that date went terribly. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, it did. It did. It did. Post that, I got, you can't save a date after Kashmir files. Kashmir files. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's. I'll, I'll just jump back to what I was saying that because these shows tend to have an impact on people, especially young people who for the first time are being introduced to a genre like this, it sits with you. You take in the narrative, you internalize it. Mm -hmm. And it results in discriminations of all sorts. I think I've lost you. Have I lost you? No, no, I'm here. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you internalize it. And we don't need to put down people from the Muslim community anymore. It's happening everywhere. I think our cinema needs to stay away from that sort of trend. So I would definitely try to change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anything that's, that's in terms one. of um, 
the actual you know storytelling do you feel there's anything important they missed out or or do you feel there were some threads that they overindulged on anything like that well i think they definitely missed out one very thing big thing the fact that there are so few women characters and even when they are there they're so side pushed i mean i don't like that at all uh jim sub's love affair in the movie in the in the show she's just there she's there here and there and she comes back and come goes mm-hmm. and it's shown that she doesn't want to she's a, supposedly a lawyer no time mm-hmm. is taken to develop that narrative at all so i don't and brunalini sarabhai's character she's such an incredible person no effort was put to show her as a dancer one 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 scene i think one scene or two scenes at max most of the scenes that she was shown in was her with a child her with a family etc 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 her struggling with married life but this is a person like you said an entire docu series can be made on her life she's a spectacular woman she trained so many dancers etc etc so i think that that irked me a little mm. um yeah they the only showed the woman through like the, the gaze of the male characters basically right like, yeah. like or, or where the standing was around these these men yeah um, and i also was very irritated by the fact that none of these characters none of these characters actually needed the presence of women to develop their own being and that's not how it happened right vikram sarawai's life's work was because of the presence of his wife mm-hmm. she supported him encouraged him uh, even with baba his life's work was because of his mother's presence is mm-hmm. her nurturing presence and guidance and there there were several female colleagues that they had in real life none of them are mentioned they're just mm-hmm. sort of in the background throughout mm-hmm. so big big Uh, fuck up that they did. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, that, it, but no, it's fine. We're an adult podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, big, uh, big fuck up. Uh, okay, my last question. Uh, you you mentioned Kalam earlier. Uh, th- there are a lot of so-called Easter eggs in a way in this in this show, from what I've heard and from what I read in, from your own essay. That you know, there's little things that history buffs and science buffs would find um, would would enjoy finding in the show. Uh, without giving any late season spoilers you know we don't want to know how we don't want to know how this ends even though it's history we know how it ends uh can you share any of your favorite moments like the east whether it's an easter egg like you know the kalam entrance everyone knows about that it's in the trailer um yeah. or or like other moments like that which which you sort of like will remember mostly from this show okay this is uh, this is very talked about uh but it's definitely one i'm going to do two if that's okay sure sure one is in the uh, introduction of kalam okay you see them um, there's namaz going on and this is a very young kalam okay and he sees a group of elder muslim men and they're talking about does he have the same hairstyle yeah the sort same of iconic yeah. hairstyle <laughs> yeah yeah but it's not that long it's slightly short but you can see that the stru- they picked a very good character the person <laughs> looks also like young kalam so you see a bunch of muslim men they're complaining about the state of the country and how muslims are being discriminated against and a lot of people have un- uh, misunderstood that scene i think they're seeing it as a good muslim coming in and battering bad muslims into coming back to the indian statehood in ta- enchantment fold but the way i saw it is that kalam represents space for uh, muslim people within our government and our state and i like that they took out the time again and they made sure that 
there is this person there is this young muslim man from a no no nobody known village and he's that hope for other muslim people who've lived in the country for that long to be accepted i i i it gave me goosebumps i i again fell into the nationalism pride trap but it was so beautifully done that i could not Mm-hmm. and of course the other uh, the other most remembered bit and you will if you watch it you will definitely like it at towards the end of the show they're trying to do something okay and like a typical indian climactic minute things fall apart mm-hmm. some everything's going crazy some nothing's working and then all these great people they sit in a room and to do jugad <laughs> and mm-hmm. such beautifully done jugad i felt like a college student come alive in that moment mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out how ye karte hain we'll do that we'll bring this fisherman's thing and we'll do this and it pans out ultimately but seeing them plan uh, stuff out like like a bunch of avengers on how to kill thanos <laughs> and it's very beautifully done i i'm hoping the historian me is hoping that it went down the same way probably not <laughs> happy to think that all these great minds sat down and they were like jugarding like we do you know no great indian achievement is done without some jugar and i feel that 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 even though it's it's likely that that didn't happen exactly th- there must have been a lot of small moments of jugar leading up to that so i feel like they had to show it in cinematically in some way right to save time uh, in that one big moment um yeah uh I, 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 I'm somewhat convinced. I think this show sounds interesting, and uh, and as someone who like I, I, I'm actually I'm interested more in you know Indian sciences and sort of the, his, the recent history of Indian science. Even though it's the the issue is that it's never communicated in a fun way. You know, it, it yeah. it's it's super interesting, but it's just that it's not made acceptable. Not acceptable, but it's not made approachable. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm glad a show like this, even even if the show might have its flaws, I'm glad the show exists. just to just to sort of demystify science and scientists and history in a way so yeah uh, anything else you'd like to add before uh, we let you go today yes uh, just one last thing i mean you should watch the show even if you don't fall into your rare subset karan because i i'll tell you my mother she's not aware of history at all she hates it she she hates it to the point where she hates me for liking it it's very meta <laughs> I made her sit down, and this lady binge watched that show. She oh, she finished it in seven hours of awesome. night watching, and she told me it's so entertaining. Forget history, forget mm-hmm. all of this. It is mm-hmm. so nice to see all these people play their best characters, mm-hmm. and these are characters that I feel like were written for them. It doesn't matter if you like history, if you don't like history, if you like sciences, you don't like the sciences. Watch it for the fun of it, mm-hmm. because at no point in those seven hours you're going to be like, I want to stop watching. Mm-hmm. that'll not happen at all Th- that that that's the strongest sort of thumbs up that the show could have gotten thank you so much atulya for joining us today for giving me your time the show is rocket boys do check out atulya pathak's essay on this show on the chakkar atulya thank you so much thank you for having me karan i'm here with adi manral and pratik santram this is a kind of a first time thing we're doing we're we're sitting together and all three of us are going to talk about all the new stuff we've been listening to how are you guys doing adi how are you i'm doing good karan uh, just enjoying myself the weather in masuri has been great so you know listening to music 
Prateek, we normally only have you for the and movie section, but you could be completely doing double duty with this as well. How are you? And uh, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back for the first time to the music part of the podcast. Doing, doing well. As Adi said, the weather up here has been good. So thankfully not burning somewhere in the plains. But yeah. But yeah, doing well. Otherwise, well. So tell me, um, we've been listening to, you know, there's a lot of new stuff out. Adi, I keep emailing you. I keep forwarding you all the great Indian bands that, will, that, that reach out to us on the chakkar. Uh, but Pratik, let's start with you. I wanted to make this first part of the conversation today about just like recommending songs that we like or songs that we've been listening to recently, anything like that. Uh, it could be anything. Pratik, why don't you get started? Um, any any song you want to recommend to our listeners? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of like, I, I usually listen to guitar music or mm. guitar based music, but I've been like getting into um, 80s uh, hair metal or glam metal as it were. So all the steady stuff. Uh, so that's what my playlist comprises of lately. But the song I would like to recommend is a song called Aftab by The Local Train. And it's, it's, it's a popular song, uh, but it's just a very, very pretty song. Not, not, not uh, heavy uh, anything, but just very, very uh, mellow, chill song. Yeah. Is, it, is it like typical of the kind of music Local Train make? Or would you say the song is a bit of a departure from their normal sound? No, I think, I think it's, it's right up there with their... But it's just, if anything, it's it's a little more, it's a little mellower than their, even for them. It's a little mellower than their usual sound. Uh, Adi, what about you? How are you doing? And and tell us, tell us what music you're listening to or any anything you'd like to recommend. Well, all thanks to Pratik. Uh, the music that I've been listening to is the music that we played at our school recently at a talent show for the students. Okay. And uh, we, we played uh, Living on a Prayer. Someone else sang that song. And then I sang Maria by Blondie. I don't. I, do you remember this song called uh, Maria by Blondie? It's a. It's an old song. So Why you know, don't you like sing it, it for us? I. I will. I'll probably <laughs> share a link to what we did. <laughs> but yeah, that's the music that we just did last last week. So you know, um, like Pratik said, eighties heavy metal and you know like glam rock and all of that stuff. So you you put on that playlist and you get a bunch of other stuff that you haven't heard in a long time, and that's that's been my go to. Uh, thing to do like you know these days i just go to a playlist i'm I, whatever i the, the mood that i'm in i play a playlist to set that mood hmm. and uh that's the kind of music that i get into so you know pearl jam um scorpions uh stuff like that a lot of classic stuff a lot of grunge and all of that well you mentioned um uh, hair metal 80s metal and i feel um the the band you want to talk about the indian band uh the name is bloody wood obviously i think a lot of people have already heard of them They've become pretty big. Not not that kind of metal. Not the 80s kind of metal. It's, it's very different. but And it's, it's kind of evolved from that. So, uh, Bloody Wood, new album just came out, Rakshak. And I think it's making a you know, lot of vibes. A lot of you are talking about it. They are an Indian metal band from New Delhi. They were formed in 2016. You know, they began as a parody band. Mm. And they were like uh, uploading metal covers of pop songs on YouTube. And then, you know, decide doing their own material later on. According to Wikipedia, this is I'm ripping it straight off. <laughs> you know, they they say the influences are Linkin Park, Rejig is the Machine, System of a Down, Alter Bridge, and Limbiskit. And I think you can hear so, some of each yeah. of that plus something new also. You know, in their sound. I know to me that it really reminded me of Linkin Park, the, the yeah, new metal yeah. sound that they had. What would you guys like? Do do you feel similar yeah. influences on the music? Yeah. And and I wanted to just say like like when you described all the influences, they also have a have a very unique. Um, unique thing about them like mm. you know like all these influences put together they they still stand out like they, yeah. they they've got a thing about themselves that 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 makes them bloody wood and something that started off as a 
fun thing for the band you know it just goes to show that these these guys were actually having a lot of fun what they were doing from the start of it and now when you listen to songs like um you know whatever whatever songs that you hear in the like their album um you you can see the influences as well mm-hmm. so yeah and and also i want to say that you know with with metal in india it's 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 a big load for any of the band to be carrying uh, to to you know carry this forward and and you know like you see this scene isn't um, as thriving but but then you see how um, bloodywood is doing so well and and doing what they love so you know uh, hats off to them for doing what they love i just want to mention like again the influences i think is absolutely right like when when you actually mention those influences like they like alter bridge alter bridge is kind of the outlier in that in that rcm <laughs> yeah but but all, i i can definitely hear the like the we might get into that later but like the guitar tone i can hear that mm. but it's not it's nothing like we haven't heard before like we've heard some version of this in the past mm. you know the whole melding of like metal you know we i don't think they even the first to do it with like punjabi drums or dholes yeah. that's definitely happened in the past mm-hmm. but i just think they do it well you know from time to time you'll get that one like band which sounds like it, it belongs in the 80s or 70s but they really do it well like greta greta van fleet mm-hmm. for example and they they almost like a rip off of led zeppelin but they do it so well you're talking about greta i'm talking yes, about greta yes, right yes, now greta yes, yeah. yeah that they do it so well that that's them yeah, yeah and i think it's exactly the same with we heard all that the growling the dirty vocals the rapping mm-hmm. over uh, metal bars it's all been done before but they still are so good at it that it sounds great so let's talk about the the song that we chose for the month uh, it's a song called day danadan i mean it's a pretty killer uh, uh, video on youtube right uh, so for someone like me i'm not like you know the biggest fan of metal but like like within seconds of the song beginning i just got this jolt of excitement you know just like listening right. to the, the, right. the guitar riff kicked and you know of course uh, uh pratik mentioned this indian folk drums mixed with this insanely hard guitar riffs i, I have to admit it it exhausted me like mm-hmm. I, i was getting tired listening to this song <laughs> and listening to the, the guy growl um can met metal vocalist just for once you know not spoil the hard work that the guitarists are doing this has always been my standpoint <laughs> uh but that said like i, I want to hear the, the the first reactions you guys had about day uh, danadan pratik why don't you go first I'm 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 not super familiar with the music but I've heard like the the big kind of hits as you as you might call them at least on YouTube so I I know I knew what to expect hmm. but yeah it it hits hard and you're right this this I think seems a little more relentless than the earlier songs I I don't know why like as a, the song as a whole so hmm. you're right like it is exhausting to listen to them they also like and I love the interplay between because they have two vocalists and both of them yes. are great Uh, it, it's a Lincoln Park thing. There's a person Lincoln, who raps and the yeah. person who growls, basically. Yeah. And but they kind of they kind of sometimes just like keep playing with that, switching back mm-hmm. and forth. The guitarist was uh, the band was started by the guitarist. So, you know, it's centered around the sound. Mm. I loved it. I loved the energy of it. Uh, and yeah, pretty cool video as he said. Uh, Adi, you chose this track. So so what made it stand out to you? I I think like you said, the moment you hear the song and you look at the video. for some reason you get excited about all of that and i think probably because how um, you know the things around us the the political system the social scene around around the country right now it just uh, it's it's pushed you to a mindset where where you want to hear people scream mm. and uh, shout out things which are wrong and they're doing exactly the same thing but musically mm. and so you know that that's that's something 
you know like like brave of them yeah. uh, especially in today's day and age where uh, you know that even even when you are being creative or you're putting your heart out there you can get in trouble or even go behind the bars mm-hmm. and to be doing that boldly is uh, something unique and um, and and to change their sound from how they had started from the beginning you know they've evolved into something else like like prateek mentioned you know the, the 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 music that he liked at right at the beginning and and how so this this is this is something that they're they're trying to evolve into and you have to give it to them like the, the whatever whatever message they're trying to put out whatever medium they've taken it's it still catches your ears and attention so you know uh, i i really enjoyed that the the whole song as a whole package and and i know uh, um i i will sit through the whole album mm. which i haven't done yet uh and i'm going to enjoy most of the stuff that they've put together and i know that they 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 this is a massive band now we're talking about you know this isn't the band that came out in 2016 which used to do parody uh you know songs now we're talking about a band which goes and does um you know international tours i i just saw that they're probably planning their um europe tour or something and then there was something about something about us tour which they've done or, or or are planning in 2023 something around around those lines so you know this is a pretty big band they've they've made a name for themselves and uh, they they're making sure that they're using their name to push a a a, a social message out which is great yeah they even got a shout out from one of all of our guitar gods tom morello and that was like okay wow he's sharing the yeah. this yeah. music on twitter that's yeah, pretty see. big Uh yeah I mean I, I as you guys said just to, like I also really respect their just their energy and ambition they they seem, yeah. they seem to be a band that are comfortable with who they are which yeah. you know and they, they know who the sound is so so we like that a lot so uh here's the song of the month it's called Day Danadan and the band is Bloody Wood Motherfucker, it's a headshot You up on the spot and you start 
everything that's required we do for her to have a connection up in the patriarchy and we're loving it We done asking nasty, so now we're here thugging it No man and a woman, it's the people that are running it Listen for that engine, cause now we gon' be gunning Thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please check us out on thechakkar.com and we are on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter at thechakkar. Until next time, chakkar ghumte raho. <laughs>